This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you go into a jam, people either love the Bones player or they hate the Bones player. And there's no middle ground with that. It's, it's like you're either right in it or you're just kind of like, mm, yeah, not so much. <laughs> Howdy, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Range. I'm Julia Ritchie. And I'm Amy Westervelt. You just heard from Grammy Award-winning performer Dom Flemens, who you'll hear a little more from a little later in the episode. But first, the entire reason for this episode is I struck an audio goldmine at the 32nd Annual National Cowboy Poetry Gathering, which I had the good fortune of attending about a week ago. As the name suggests, this deeply rooted tradition celebrates the ranching community and the oral stories, songs, and poems that cowboys would share with one another while waxing around a campfire. Each year, between six and 7,000 people make this pilgrimage to the small town of Elko, Nevada, located in the northeastern side of the state. Performers from across the western United States and Canada congregate there to hear poems and songs of the old and new west. Hal Cannon was one of the founders of the event, and he's now a performer. He explained to me just how much this festival has grown since the 80s. You know, it was a little bit of an isolated tradition when we ran into it, and we'd as folklorists, we went out to these ranches and, and found these people who had really never been in public. So the, just putting this in a public context has really sort of changed the world of it. Um, when we first held this event, uh, it was mostly ranch families and cowboys and a lot of press. And now it's a lot of Western enthusiasts, a lot of retirees, still a lot of ranch people, ranch families. But it's a more diverse audience, I guess. Uh, if a cowboy poet wants to talk about uh, calving and talks about a prolapse, they're not sure their audience is going to understand what a prolapse is, whereas maybe in the early days, they're, oh, yeah, prolapse. If all this sounds insanely romantic, that's because it is. And Elko's Gathering has spawned several other cowboy poetry events around the West. So, Amy, I thought I'd introduce our listeners to one particular cowboy poet I met there. Actually, I'll let her introduce herself. My name is Pearly Gates. I live in Driftwood, Texas. And I am a cowboy poet, a singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist. This was Pearlie's first time at the Cowboy Poetry Gathering, though she's been writing and performing in Texas for more than a decade. Pearlie recited two original poems during an open mic session that I really loved. So right afterward, I ran up to her and I asked her if she would recite one called Changes at the Ranch for Me Again. And I'm going to play that for you now and the short interview I conducted. But just a quick note that we were in a convention center, so there may be a little background noise. I'll do Changes at the Ranch for you. Homesteading's a challenge, it's fair to say. Things go wrong most any old day. The work is varied, often different than planned. You're always solving problems and working with your hands. I arose one morning with a task to begin. That new chain on the chainsaw thought I'd give it a spin and take down the old oak with one main flaw, which is dropping dead limbs over my back door. 
The morning was bright, the air filled with hope. I gathered my work gloves, chainsaw, and rope, the long-handled axe, the gas-oil mix, and I started in thinking about all those tree-cutting tricks. It was an ornery critter from the very get-go. That tree pinched my saw bar and would not let go. Took hours to finally work it free. Some days just go wrong completely. Well, I started back cutting once that tree was laid down and promptly ran out of gas. No more to be found. Was an hour-long run for that trip to the pump. Then I started back in on that cantankerous stump. A blizzard of wood chips went whizzing by, and don't you know, I caught one in the corner of my eye. On the walk to the sink for the Bausch and Loam rinse, I allowed the question, did I have any sense? But as the sun was setting over in the west, I set to splitting those chunks laid to rest. Small ones go quick with an axe sharpened right, but a 29-incher is a mighty daunting sight. You need the right weapons, muscle, and grit to downsize those monsters for a good wood stove fit. Those big ones ain't easy. One learns to attack with a maul and a wedge and a heck of a whack. But the maul, it was gone. Vanished somewhere, and the wedge as well, not here and not there. So I stayed with the axe. What was I thinking? I surely knew better, and I wasn't even drinking. Well, that axe head got buried about four inches deep in that hardwood, which might cause a gal for to weep. But I rose to the cause, gave that handle a yank, the crack. It was deafening, to be honest and frank. Yeah, that's when I popped out these two vertebrae. Had to sleep standing up, which ain't restful, I'd say. Oh, the morning drive was painful, going back into town. I'm getting an automatic the next time around. Well, I had an adjustment, then advice from the chiropractor. You're working too hard, she said. That's the main factor. Working is fine. It'll keep you limber. Just go a little easy when you're chopping that timber. Well, we learn from our mistakes, as everyone knows. And humility is a virtue, as the old saying goes. So, yeah, I've had my lesson. I'm done with that craze. I've adapted. I'm leaving my old Luddite ways. Mm-hmm, I've changed my tune. I'm going hydraulic. I've sworn off the axe like a reformed alcoholic. Got a brand new wood splitter, and I tell you, indeed, it'll rip through that wood... I just have to feed it, which could leave more time for carpentry and such. Oh, the cabin'll look spiffy with the finish work touch. So today, got a nail gun to put the new floor on, and no more hand chopping for this old axiomoron. Thank you so much. That's so good. <laughs> you are very welcome. How long does it take you to write something like that? Some poems take um, an hour or two. Some take days. They go. I'm a Libra, and they go through various versions. But just by doing it, you know, it might take a few months. I settle in on the final version. The two that you performed today about an axe and fence pliers, is this a theme with you about uh, certain farm tools or ranch tools that you find very inspirational? Well, to tell you the truth, I'm something of a tool freak, Julia. You never know what's going to inspire the next poem. (laughs) That's very true. 
I kind of want to be a cowboy poet. Me too. I actually asked Hal Cannon about this because a lot of the performers there are getting older. And so I asked him if he thought to keep the tradition alive, if maybe more non-cowboys would also take part or if this was some sort of cultural appropriation. Even among folklorists, and I'm a folklorist, there would be disagreement about that. I don't think it's about birthright particularly. Uh, that that helps. I mean, my wife comes from a four or five generation ranching family, and you know she has that in her background. That really is a wealth of great information for her as a writer, as an artist. But no, you know, I I think it's more about devotion and love and talent and. Uh, working at it. And Hal says there are several younger performers at the gathering who sort of speak to this new generation of artists who may be a little further removed from the ranch. Yes, one of my favorite sessions was with this guy. This is Dom Flemons, the American songster. Dom Flemons is a Grammy award-winning artist who lives in my home state of North Carolina, though he actually was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. He used to perform with a string band called the Carolina Chocolate Drops, whose music I just absolutely love and can't recommend enough. He's been performing solo now for a couple of years and swung through Elko like a week before he was going to play at Carnegie Hall to teach a workshop on playing the bones. You mean like cow bones? Yes, like two big gnarly rib bones clacking together. I recorded this session so you could get an idea of just how tricky they are to play. Let's get one click at a time. So one, two, three, four. Well, the bones are an instrument that's uh, one of the oldest instruments in the world. And in America, they became popular through the Blackface Minstrel Show. And um, the original band setup was a banjo, fiddle, bones, and tambourine. And so that was, uh, that was the first way that the bones really got into the American consciousness. And they, it's kept on ever since. Um, I like to uh, tell people about how um, the Harlem Globetrotters theme song had a fellow by the name of Brother Bones, who was a bones player who would whistle at the same time. And so a lot of people have heard Sweet Georgia Brown, and that's with a bones player who played with four bones in each hand. So it's like two uh, cow rib bones uh, cut down to the right length and uh, I'm holding them between my fingers and when I move my wrist uh, the, the, the bone that I'm holding tight allows the bone that is hanging loose to run into it so it makes a clicking sound so there's a click 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 and so then once I put a little bit of extra rhythm into it I can get some extra sounds that uh, uh, people find pretty exciting. <laughs> Dumb actually has a YouTube video you can find where he teaches this. It's a song called Old Cindy Gal that he likes to start his shows off with, playing bones and harmonica. So why is it we don't hear more bones in music? Is there some stigma associated with it because of the early history? A good question. When I asked Dom this, he said there are actually a lot of bones players out there, but maybe we're all too busy listening to Taylor Swift to really listen for them. <laughs> the thing I found with bones is that they're still played all over the place. Um, but they're not in the conventional places you would think you'd find them. And so once I started playing Bones, I became aware of this. But there's a, there are Bones players that are all over the world that are, they're quite numerous. It's, I've, I've run into quite a few of them. So it's, it's an instrument that's not really the first one that comes up on the radar. But once you're aware of them, all of a sudden you start seeing them a lot. But I think that there was, a, in terms of old time music and, and uh, things like that, when they started recording music, 
they didn't have the bones because they're quite loud, especially through the minstrel show. You hear some of those later minstrel shows, and they're really loud and they're very obtrusive, so it doesn't really work for early recording so they didn't get recorded a lot and so that's one of the things where they just they just weren't a part of that era so now we don't see them quite as much in terms of uh, the way we think of our musical history through recordings. So the next time you have your nice rib dinner don't throw away the bones you can actually play them. Yeah you gotta get some cow rib bones you don't don't try to have it have like pig ribs and and do that that would be just wasting your time but if you get if you get the big cow rib bones that's that's the way to do it <laughs> Julia, I think we should take up the bones. Yeah, no. Uh, Dom is a trained percussionist, and he said it took him like four months of nonstop practice to get it down. So you're saying it's possible? No. (laughs) Interestingly, though, Dom told me there is this whole rhythm bone society of people who get together every year to celebrate the instrument. Seriously? Can we go to it? Yes, but you have to promise me you're going to come with me to the next Cowboy Poetry Gathering next year, too. You're on. So, Amy, just to remind me and our listeners what we're doing again on the next episode in just one short week. We're riding around with the Tahoe Food Hub people talking about food resiliency and doomsday prepping. Nom, 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 nom. (laughs) This special episode of Range was produced by me, Julia Ritchie. And me, Amy Westervelt. Our original music is by the talented Mr. David Whited. The banjo music is by Dom Flemons, who's got a new EP out you can find at domflemons.com. Make sure you get your range fix on the regular by subscribing to us on iTunes, and we're on the Stitcher app too, if that's where you like to listen. Be sure to drop us a review in either spot if you like what you're hearing. And we have a special partner this week, High Country News. They're a great West Focus magazine based in Colorado, and we highly recommend checking them out. In fact, you can do that for free by going to hcn.org slash try dash me for two free issues of the magazine. And remember, if you have an idea for a show or you want to share some cowboy poetry with us, shoot us a note at howdy at rangepodcast.org. Also, you can check out some photos of the Bones Workshop and Miss Pearly Gates on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. See you next week. True story, I interviewed a Harlem Globetrotter you did. named Buckets Blake. <laughs> the, the whole reason I did it is I thought they would give me comp tickets to go see the Harlem Globetrotters, which has been like a lifelong goal of mine. I saw them as a kid. I what? Them. It's bullshit. It's like I, the best memory of my life. Yeah. So I've been trying to see them for a long time and then I interviewed them and nothing. Come on. I have a birthday coming up just so you know. Okay. I'll keep it in mind.